The Fifth Element is a pulpy sci-fi adventure that takes the audience from a metropolis of flying cars to a cruise ship in space and back to a pyramid in Egypt. Today we'll discuss how well the film works 25 years since its release, assuming of course we didn't forget to bring our Molly Pass. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and I'm joined as always by Tara. Greetings citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together and we talk about sci-fi movies. It's really quite that simple. And uh, this episode, we are tackling the most recent vote winner over at Patreon, patreon.com slash TV. Our patrons get to vote uh, between three films every month, and we had a 90s vote because it's 90s season, and the winner was The Fifth Element, uh, the 1997 Luc Besson film starring Bruce Willis, Gary Oldman, Millie Jovovich, Ian Holm, Luke Perry in one scene, <laughs> um, Chris Tucker, uh, the, the, the prisoner from The Dark Knight, he throws the trigger at the, the window, He's there. Uh, the whole host of people. Uh, Brian James, who's a bit of a cult movie actor. There's, just, there's a long list of names uh, in here. And probably a few other faces that I even recognize that I'm not even mentioning right now. So, uh, yes. Um, which you you had seen before, I assume. Yes, I have. I saw it in theaters a couple of times. I think I did too. I think I saw this in theaters. I think I... I think when... It was this in a different movie. So my, my like, movie theater, uh, like, there was an older one that was only a couple of screens, but, like, the, the big movie theater that had, you know, what you think of as a, a, an appropriate number of screens these days, uh, opened in 97. And this was the second movie I saw mm-hmm. there. I can't remember what the first one was, but th- they were both out around the same what, time. Was it The Lost World? Because I feel like those came out at the same time. No, I, I did see Lost World, but that was a little bit later. It was, there was something okay. else. Uh, it was something not as good. <laughs> I, I remember that. At least at the time, it felt like it wasn't as appealing. Um, was it uh, Independence Day? No, no, that was like a year prior, I think. I want to say it was something like Jungle to Jungle starring Tim Allen. <laughs> I want to say it was something like that. Uh, jungle to Jungle wasn't... Yeah, you're right, that was Tim Allen. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking of George of the Jungle for a sec. Yeah. Oh, I did definitely see that as well, but I mean, <laughs> I mean my year may be off here. I don't know. This is completely irrelevant to the, uh, the thing. It is 1997. This, this could be it. <laughs> it could it be Jungle Jungle. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Fifth Element set in the future. Uh, this giant planet-sized evil. You know, it's basically the nothing from Neverending Story. This force is coming to kill everything. And the only hope against it is this sacred set of four stones that have to go into a pyramid. And then the fifth element, which is obviously the title of the movie, uh, is uh, is a being who will stand at the center and will destroy the evil. And everything's about getting to that point to like save the world and indeed the, the universe as, as it is. Uh, and there is more planets with life because we see aliens in this movie. So that is definitely a thing that's uh, around. Uh, so you got Bruce Willis as this kind of down his luck, average Joe cab driver. Uh, except the cab flies because it's, we're in the future and we get this big bright city. Uh, in fact, the whole movie is quite bright. It's a lot very bright and colourful. Uh, is what people usually remember from it. Uh, but that is the the basic idea of the Fifth Element. Tara, how do you feel about the Fifth Element? Well. Yes, I, I've seen this movie a lot. 
Um, I, I know it, I feel like, frame by frame pretty well. Um, but this is the first time I've watched it where I, I think I sort of made the decision that I don't really like this movie that much. I am shocked. <laughs> I am. I did not see this coming at all. I am absolutely gobsmacked. Judge your math. You knew. You knew what I felt about this. <laughs> I. I do think. I. I do think that I like a lot about the movie. All right. I like the. I like the look of it. I like the aliens. I like uh, Mila Jovovich a lot in it. Um. I like the music, but I think overall I don't really like the characters outside of Mila Jovovich and maybe Carrie Oldman. I think some of the acting is just so bad. Like just real real bad and i think (laughs) the story is not great the plot doesn't make any sense to me Uh, i just i I guess i don't like it anymore i don't know when it changed but this was uh i didn't really expect this either when i watched it (laughs) it felt like it was four hours long Um, I'm happy to say I still enjoy the film. I, I, you know, it's a light-hearted kind of space adventure, and I appreciate kind of its quirkiness because it's, it's never taken itself too seriously. There's always a sense of humor. There's mm-hmm. always kind of like an offbeat way that some of the the dialogue is given, uh, which you know you, you might say is bad acting, but I think it's a, like an intentional choice. You, what about the president? The president? He was pretty terrible. <laughs> he was uh, like a. He, he sounded like. Like they got a a sports athlete to take the role or something. Like he was reading the lines that way. <laughs> I kind of like him. I don't know. He's he's he's, he's comforting. <laughs> it's so sweaty. Why is he sweating all the time? Look at that big fancy outfit they've got him wearing. That's that's you know it looks uncomfortable. It's hot in space. Yeah. That's why he's sweating. I don't think he's in space, is he? No, uh, he might be on Earth. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's just in his uh his Oval Office equivalent uh is, is where I think he is, but. Um. Yeah, I don't know, there's a lot of quirks in the performances I really like. Uh, I like how colorful it is. Um, I do enjoy the kind of the absurdity of the story, and I do like the, most of the characters actually. I think uh, w- one of the interesting things I was thinking about as I was getting towards the end of this is that when it does get a bit more, I don't want to say dramatic, but when it starts playing some emotional beats towards the end of the film, I actually get into it a little bit, and I'm like, this is such a lighthearted movie. Why is this working better for me than say? A dramatic movie that kind of fails and i'm just sort of sitting there going you've not made me care about this and i think it all just comes down to it's not that it does like an amazing job in the story of like pulling at the heartstrings but it does make you like the characters enough that when it does pull some emotional beats you're like oh yeah i like the characters enough that i'm invested in what they're doing i'm invested in what they're saying so yeah i think it works well enough in that front but i think it's just fun i think it i think it holds up surprisingly well from an effects point of view despite the fact that it's 1997. Yeah, I do like that. They, they're really reserved on when they use their computer effects versus practical. Yeah. And they're usually pretty forgivable when they do because of that, I mm-hmm. think. Um, it has a really cool aesthetic. I like the sense of humor the movie has. Um, I find it pretty charming most of the time. Uh, a lot of the little quips from Bruce Willis or the little jokes uh, from the villains, you know, multi pass, all that stuff. Uh, Maybe because I've heard the lines so many times that they just don't, they're not going to be funny anymore, but I didn't think it was very funny. That's kind of a... <laughs> and the emotional stuff at the end, I thought, just dragged out way too long. I was, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a romantic. I don't know. I mean, I was into it. What can I say? Yeah. It's my, my cold, 
broken heart. <laughs> I can't enjoy love stories anymore. Uh, and t- to be fair, like, you know, I have a personal vendetta against uh, the actress here because Mila Jovovich uh, went on to star in six horrible Resident Evil movies, desecrating a beloved franchise of mine with her and her horrible husband. <laughs> Mila Jovovich is definitely the best part of this movie. Even Bruce Willis, I I find to be like he's doing his his stick, his usual Bruce Willis stick. That yeah, it works, but because it's just it's kind of just John McClane in space. How, how, how do you not love Gary Oldman? Oh, not Gary, sorry, not Gary Oldman. I mean, he's good, but how do you not love Ian Holm in this? Come on, Ian Holm is delightful in this. Yeah, he is fun. You're right. I do like Ian Holm in it. Yeah, the way the way Plus, the, the scenes he has with the president it just reminds you how good of an actor Ian Holm is. <laughs> It's just like when he first sees uh, Lilu and he realizes what she is, the way he gets nervous and sweats and sort of wipes his brow and he sort of like or he faints at one point. Like, there's just there's just so many little things that he does yeah, yeah, with his body language. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't, don't bring Like, if you're going to compare Ian Holm to another Ian Holm performance, then you bring up Ash from Alien. You don't bring that Lord oh, of the Rings. like Ash in this. I agree, but, it, you know, I, I don't want this Lord of the Rings filth brought up <laughs> on my show, okay? Be the boat back. I have a good time with it. I, I, I generally do. I, I will maybe concede that Chris Tucker is annoying when he first appears. I do think he gets better as the movie goes on, though. Let's see, once all the action kicks off, I do think he's more interesting once he's reacting to that as opposed to just him doing his radio DJ really over-the-top shtick that he's doing when you first meet him. I know him. he's supposed to be annoying, but he does yes. get pretty grating. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can't argue with that, but I think that's a... I don't know, maybe maybe this is the opposite of, of what you've said, but like I think I've seen the movie so many times that oddly it's just kind of comforting now. Because you know, it's like, you <laughs> know, there's, there's a nostalgia to the weird way he screams at people. Uh, uh, but, you gonna watch you know. that Rush Hour on Collector's Cut? <laughs> I mean, at some point we will. I don't know. Like, I liked Rush Hour 1 and 2 when I was, you know, when they came out, because I was, like, I don't know, 11 or something. <laughs> like, they appealed to my sensibilities at the time. Um, I can't say I'm looking forward to revisiting them. I'm a little concerned that I'm just going to be annoyed, but we'll see. That we'll was see. Chris Tucker, right? Yeah, that was Chris Tucker. I've actually never seen them. <laughs> I mean, I... I can't really say if I recommend them or not, to be honest, but mm-hmm. I've got a sneaking suspicion I might have outgrown those. <laughs> His best role is in Jackie Brown. Oh, I forgot he was in that. You're right, you're right. Well, it's not a very long role. <laughs> <laughs> Tara, don't be spoiling uh, character demises. I won't say what happens. <laughs> it's, it's, a tar- a cameo. it's a Tarantino movie. It's obviously ending in death. Okay, <laughs> Tarantino characters will just walk away out the, the work movie happy for, for having to listen to Ruby Rod. <laughs> yeah, that's his character in this. For anyone who's trying to keep track of all this, Ruby Rod. Yeah, um, I do like the music a lot. I, I remember music's listening good. To, this, to the score quite a bit. Um, after I think I had it on cassette. It's got a nice mix of, like, there's some really weird, like, upbeat parts to it, but then there's also some traditional stringed emotional parts to the, the, the music mm-hmm. towards the end. I think it all works. It has a kind of a unique feel. I think it's weird because it is obviously a very light-hearted, kind of, like, action movie, summer season-friendly movie, but at the same time, it's, you know, and I don't want to praise Bisson too much because he's been accused of a lot of nasty things, but as a filmmaker, 
it does feel like he's he's got such a unique style in this film that it never feels like it's just another mindless blockbuster it, it feels like every weird thing that's in this is weird because the choices are quirky weird intentionally it's not like oh there's not falling into any kind of like formula by any means like sure you can say that yeah like bruce willis might be like going into just sort of like traditional bruce willis favorite points but i don't think anything the way the world is designed the way the characters react to things uh like i don't think any of that feels it because yeah bruce willis might feel like he's just in a, a kind of slightly altered john mcclane at times but then there's moments when he's like someone tries to mug him and the way he just sort of like it, there's a quirkiness to a lot of the interactions and how they they bounce off of each other and it, it's very taste dependent for sure like i don't think this is going to appeal to everyone but i think that's why if it does appeal to you it works though because it's like oh this mm-hmm. is different and it's weird and i kind of like it yeah, I think that's why I liked it when it came out also, is because it was so different and fun to look at. But I think it doesn't uh, work so well watching it now. Like, if this movie came out now, it would just get the same reaction as Valerian or, like, Jupiter Ascending. Oh, Valerian? Like no, Valerian is much worse, because I saw that. I, I think, if anything, this is better now than it was when it came out, because now the problem of all these like blockbusters feeling the exact same is more of a problem than it was back then i think i appreciate how weird this is more now than i did back then because mm-hmm. now i'm more deprived of more unique high budget movies like this uh because now everything's you know it's a marvel movie or it's whatever and they all have the same kind of feel or it's a fast car movie yeah it's so a fast and the furious or the dc movies also have kind of a weird like consistent kind of soulless tone to them <laughs> like uh not including the Batman, but all the other ones. Like, you know, like, I mean, I didn't see Black Adam yet, and I, I really can't be arsed to. No, I'm not going to watch that. And I'm a DC <laughs> Comics fan, which should tell you all you need to know uh, about that. My friend who loves bad movies, not like not like the way that I love bad movies, but like he just has really bad taste in movies. <laughs> and he also really loves The Rock. Went and saw it opening night, and he said, you know, I don't think that was a very good movie. I said, wow. It must be real bad. That, that's damning. <laughs> that's damning coming from him. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I appreciate how much of a personality this has. And I think the fact that it won't appeal to everyone is kind of why I, I like it. Not because I feel like it separates me from the, the filthy casuals who won't get it. Because it's not like a hard movie to understand. I think I just, it's that sort of thing where if you appeal to everyone, you're kind of like a watered down, like fast food thing. But if you appeal, if you're a really strong flavor, you appeal to the people who are going to like that flavor, but it's unapologetically that, as opposed Mm to being something that's safe for everyone, you know, like, so I think that's kind of like part of why I appreciate this. And the quirkiness does work for me in this. Yeah, I guess it just didn't land for me this time. And I don't, you know, apart from like some cool designs and some not cool designs, like I, I just don't know that. I just don't know that it's enough anymore for for me to be positive on the film. I think overall the plot is just kind of it doesn't really make a lot of sense, and and it's makes complete sense. So, we talked sometimes about. <laughs> sometimes it's a bit confusing on the plot. Like it's it's doing too much, and like there's too many scenes happening. Do, do you know? Like, <laughs> I, I, I will say this: the last couple of times I've watched it. Uh, I have noticed like how complex it is because there's so many like parties. I think because there's a point in the middle where the the plot kind of gets to this stage where, uh, like the the main plot's going towards this like spaceship hotel that everyone's going to mm-hmm. get to, and there's like 
three or four different parties who all eventually go there to try and get the stones, the MacGuffin of the film. And, mm-hmm. like, it is kind of, like, there's more going on. I actually think it works just fine. I don't think it's too bad. I think it all makes enough sense when you're watching it and you're not really that confused. But when you stop and think about how many different parties even just try to claim to be Corbin Dallas to get onto the flight, there's, like, three different scenes of, of like, different people trying to do that. Uh, it is kind of wild how many different parts there are. One of the interesting details of this film, I've, I've definitely brought this up before when I've talked about the film, but it's one of the few films, and I do think it works in this case. Normally this would be a problem, but it is interesting that the main villain of this film and the main hero of this film never meet, interact, or are even aware that each other exist. Uh, Zorg, played by Gary Oldman, and Carbon Dallas by Bruce Willis, they never see each other. They never interact. I mean, Bruce Willis' character will know he exists because he's the head of the corporation that seems to, like, own everything. But other than that, they never come into contact. And it's kind of... You know, that's weird. So it's, and maybe that's partly also why it just feels a little bit different. It's not doing the same tropes, you know. At least not not all of them, anyway. So, you know. I, I applaud its uh, its weirdness and its differences. Um, is it a perfect I'm movie? I'm all that weird. Yeah. I just found it to be long and annoying. I mean, I, I can't argue with that. If you felt it was annoying, it's annoying. Like, but that's you know, that's like a taste thing at that point. Yeah, I don't want to be contrarian because I, I definitely used to like this movie a lot, but I don't know, it just did not work. Maybe I'm just having a bad day. Well, except Chris Tucker, I don't think I'm having a bad day. I think but... Chris Tucker is universally pretty annoying in this. Um, yeah, I, I would just say that I've seen it enough times that parts of it are endearing to me now. But like, he is annoying. <laughs> like, he is annoying in this. Yeah. Even the love story in this, I've, I even watching it when I was younger, I never really bought into the love story in it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but hey, uh, yeah. Uh, we, 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 we talked about most of the, the, the elements. I, I just reiterate the, 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 the design of the, the film. I love how the, the, the flying New York looks, well, the flying cars. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as blatant as the product placement is, the idea of the drive through McDonald's that's like that high up, uh, is kind of cool. Um, I think the yeah. only thing the only thing that bothers me about it is that they sort of do it again. Like they they, they product place McDonald's again, like a minute later, uh, when they crash into a McDonald's truck, and I'm just like, did you really need to do that part as well? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, but I I actually really like the idea of the uh the, the drive-in. That's like you know, McDonald's is still going strong, and this is like twenty uh, one something. For the date, twenty one fourteen, somewhere around that, because Some the movie that. opens in nineteen fourteen, and it says about three hundred years after is when. Uh, so it would when, be. So it'd be two hundred. It'd be two thousand, two hundred and something then, though. No? Yeah. 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 So. So McDonald's is still going strong. I mean, to be fair, with the stronghold they have in the fast food market, is that unbelievable? <laughs> yeah, probably not. If anything, if you told me McDonald's bought out everything else and it was kind of like Demolition Man with Taco Bell because they won the fast food wars, I would be like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> that, that's the most unbelievable. Actually, Taco Bell is so much better. Yeah, but Taco Bell's not got the foothold in the rest of the world. Like Taco Bell's yeah. big in like the US and maybe a couple other countries, but McDonald's it's still not McDonald's big even yeah. in the US. But McDonald's is like McDonald's is the biggest fast food place in almost every country. Like it's okay. you don't it, tell me. It's obscene <laughs> how successful McDonald's and they were they were first, so I guess that's why they, they were able to do that. 
I like the idea also that a food truck will just come right to your apartment and will cook for you. Oh yeah, the uh, it's like it's like street Asian food, but it's just a guy on like a sort of flying boat who comes up to mm. your your window <laughs> and serves you. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Do you think he had to call for that? Do you think that's like a like a, like a takeout delivery kind of service? Yeah, you? it's like the future of DoorDash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he just comes in his little. Uh, it's like it's like the food truck coming to your window. He just comes up and yeah. He seems to get on with them. He clearly does this a lot. It made me want Chinese food, though. I'm not going to lie. We were sitting there stuffing his face with food. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I could go Thai for some. Thai food. I'm a Thai, Thai food fan. While we're on differences in the future, uh, as someone who's recently been on a plane for a very long stretch of time, the idea of them just, like, knocking you out with gas when you go into their plane, I'm like, you know what? That sounds great. Just, <laughs> just do that. <laughs> yeah. No free meals. Just knock me out. Yeah, just, just, just like, uh, what do we call it? Uh, you know, space movies with the oh, like in um, the uh, like an alien, like a ton of different movies. What hibernation? Uh, yeah, that's not the word I'm looking for though. But yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah. So so like yeah, just do that to me on a plane, so I don't have to like wait the you know the the ten to fifteen hours that the, the long flight may be. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great to me. No? Yeah, flying sucks. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, you know, there's a... Uh, I mean, other than that, I kind of love uh, the design of Corbin's apartment. It's this really compact studio place, but I kind of like how to make everything fit, like the fridge goes down and that's when the shower... Like the shower's on top of the fridge, so it goes down and the shower's there. Um, or the bed, like, because it's like a drawer that you put back in and... <laughs> You know. Yeah, everything is uh, designed to be very compact, presumably because there's so many people, and he's like in a building that's stacked really high, like a skyscraper. Yeah. I don't know if they're all on Earth, although the fact that the buildings are going that tall would suggest that a lot of them are. Uh, but the president at one point says he serves 200 billion people, <laughs> so like, yeah, there's a lot, lot of lives kicking about, <laughs> a lot of lives. Uh, but even, even I think his bed, like whenever he pulls it back out, it's like dry cleaned again. Mm-hmm. Like that's so. There is some like fancy future, like bonuses to all this. Even if he has in like a sh- tiny little home. Mm-hmm. I do like the way that fits into this whole like uh, this comedy bit that does work later on. Yes, yes. There's a there's trying the, to hide people. Yeah, I guess used at one point. Yeah, in the movie. Um, there's, like, there's so many different ways you could kill somebody in that apartment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think you like him also because he's a cat man. Oh, of course, he's got a cat. Uh, I also appreciate that every single apartment has like yellow circles near the door because when the police come around and say put your hands in the yellow circle that's you've got a place for it <laughs> like yeah like how often do the police come to every apartment maybe it's just in this area because dodgy because we see some of the, the neighbors in there you know someone tries to mug him in his apartment there's a neighbor who like gets arrested quite quickly by the cops mm-hmm. uh there's a lot of uh you know, maybe it's a really dodgy part of New York. And that's cab fine. driver, right? So kid yeah. doesn't make too much money, I assume. Yeah. Sounds like he has to replace his cab a lot as well, which probably eats into his finances. <laughs> <laughs> He's always losing his license. Uh, so, yeah. I, I like the design of the world and, uh, you know, all that other stuff. Uh, so, yeah. I guess we'll get the spoiler warning so we can talk about the plot and get into all the, the specifics and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, so fifth element spoilers from here on out. The movie begins in Egypt. Where Luke Perry is drawing stuff. And Aziz keeps dropping the mirror for the light, the little shit. 
he's falling asleep. Um, and I don't remember his name because I, I distinctly remember just like the the old guy who's like sort of you know brushing off the 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 hieroglyphics on the the the, the wall of the pyramid, and he's I just remember him yelling as he's like like this. I don't know it's a really it's one of those things when you've seen a movie as often as I have seen mm -hmm. this that just certain moments and lines just kind of get ingrained in your head. I say it every time I turn the lights on here in my place when it's like completely dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I turn it on myself. I don't have a little child to. <laughs> yeah. Well, the part I always remember pennies. The part I always remember though is when uh he says Aziz light and then the uh, spaceship that's landed, their big floodlights come on and it just floods mm -hmm. the place with lights. Oh, much better, Aziz. Thank you. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, so. Yeah, we're interested in this idea that there's like a line of priests on Earth that know about these stones and that the coming darkness and the evil needs to be dealt with. Uh, this this one in this time period almost kills the uh, archaeologist because he knows too much. Uh, but then, then the big alien dudes in the the big suits, which again, very unique design. I don't know, do you like this one? Do you like the design of these I do, aliens? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They look very Ninja Turtle mixed with ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I like them because they're very bulky. They look really uncomfortable to move around in and stuff, but they're a cool design. They uh, they have a again just have a bit of personality that I feel like. Like most movies would try to make everything cool, and I feel like this wasn't afraid to have some of the things not be cool. Mm -hmm. Like you know these 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 aliens don't look cool. Not to the villainous aliens later either. They look just kind of you know. No, but not... it matches the it matches the aesthetic of the rest of the film still. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but we get interested in the idea of the stone. They're taking the stones off Earth, and it just kind of sets up some of the, the the core premise, so that when we jump ahead to you know the the, the future part of the movie, and the, the military's like detected this big thing, and of course you get the one assholes like, "Don't worry, President, I'm very confident. We'll just launch some nukes into this thing." And it'll work. And Ian Holmes like begging them, "No, it'll just make it stronger. It feeds off evil, and nukes are evil," and. Lo and behold, they make it stronger, and the ships that are near it all get destroyed in the in the process due to their own stubbornness. It, some I don't know if it's uh, implying this or not because we sort of see something later, but it seems like the whatever this planet blob asteroid thing that is coming after them um, it maybe has some sort of like hypnosis power on people because they're trying to get a hold of the general <clears throat> who's on the other side doing the actual launching of the missiles mm. and stuff and he's sort of he seems like he's hypnotized or catatonic maybe he's just in shock though yeah i think i read it it's just he's in shock because this this giant mass is just coming towards him and there's nothing he can do about it but uh maybe it does i mean we know it intimidates people because we later on we find out that gary oldman's character is working for it and he's terrified of it uh mm -hmm. so I, I guess you know he's the main villain because he's the star and he has a lot of scenes where he's the villain but you know, he's ultimately working for the, the just the great darkness that's coming, this this evil planet that's going to destroy everything. Uh, but it does lead to some fun scenes where he's hamming up as a villain, which Gary Oldman's very good at, it has to be said. Yeah, yeah. He's a good character. He's always... He always gives it 110%, you know? Oh, yeah. He's, he's not afraid to do a quirky performance, necessarily. Even though I'd say most of his movies, he's not quirky. But there is that one movie where he plays a little person uh, that got, like, buried... For a while, and I eventually mm -hmm. came out directed video. Uh, yeah, I'll have to find that one day. Oh, well, I say it was called like Tiny Feet or something like that. I can't remember, but 
Well, I'll have to check it out. I need to know his filmography. So of course, of course, yes. Why wouldn't you? Um, so yeah, that's that's Zorg we're talking about here, and he's like looking for the stones. He's making deals with aliens. Uh, he tries to pay them with uh, all I can describe this as is that gun from Beverly Hills Cop Three that's got like a microwave built in and it has all these different functions. <laughs> <laughs> he basically has that. You know, it's got a flamethrower, an ice blaster, a machine gun, a, a rocket launcher. launcher. Yeah, <laughs> the whole the whole shebang. Um, he's uh, he's very proud of it. But uh, yes, uh, they failed. You know, they bring him an empty case because ultimately, what kicks the plot off really is that. These aliens that took the stones are coming back, and the president's listening to you know Ian Holm at this point. Like he wasn't at first, but once you know they try the missiles and it doesn't work, he's like, oh, he seems to be on board. He believes what Ian Holm's telling him about the the prophecies and everything. But these aliens, uh, the evil aliens working for for uh, Zorg, they attack the ship to kill everyone, and the only survivor is the life form that will become the fifth element. And you know they they, they get this from the debris. And they bring it down, and it forms into uh, in their like fancy medical pod thing. It forms into Lilo, uh, Mila Jovovich's character, uh, who is effectively like a new life form who doesn't really, you know, know anything. Doesn't speak English. Uh, she speaks. She speaks the aliens' own language from the sounds of it. But they must have been able to rebuild her memory somehow when they rebuilt mm. her brain. It's kind of mixed, though. I feel like, like in some level, she has to learn about everything again. But she clearly has some basic fundamentals just baked in, you know. Uh, or maybe she's just speaking gibberish. She's not oh, possibly. speaking anything. Well, no, because uh, Inhome translates one of the things she says later. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. So, so it is a language. This, this work. So we get this big chase sequence where she's like, you know, running out the building, going through the wall, and. Uh, all, all the scientists are staring at her and gawking at her. Do you know what? This movie was a PG when it came out, and there's actually, you know, there's a couple of scenes of nudity in here. There's some implied stuff going on later on. I thought, I'm surprised this got a PG in 1997. Uh, I really am. Well, it still feels pretty PG to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's some implied stuff, like you said, but it's, it's you get, what, like a nipple? You do see some boobs. I, I feel like... Certainly this time period, I don't think anything under a 12 in the UK would have had that, but I mean, I guess, I guess they thought the movie was lighthearted enough, it didn't matter. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. know. The director and actress are both like, you know, they're both European, so they're they're free spirit, it doesn't matter. Everyone can just roll with it, I guess. It's true. Yeah, because she's basically just wearing like tape. (laughs) They they put like tape on her uh, when she first wakes up. Uh, but she jumps off the building. It's a great big shot, actually. Her, you know, that shot of her diving into like, all the cars that are flying underneath her uh, is a wonderful shot. And would you believe it? She lands in uh, Bruce Willis's taxi cab, uh, which is the their meet cute, if you will. <laughs> and instantly he is like, "Oh, oh, who, who are you? <laughs> Hello, redhead." <Orange> hair. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that's works well enough. There's this idea that she's effectively asking for help. She's like looking at like some words in the cab, and she is able to ask for help. She understands that word, and she looks very vulnerable. And Carbon, even though he's cooperating with the police who are trying to pull up next to him, he ultimately makes the choice to just do, do the you know the legally wrong thing and help her somehow, which gets us into the car chase. I, don't, I think the moment works well enough to like get like make his like him as a character, where it's like mm-hmm. ah no, nah, he's willing to go to bat for this you know and yeah he could be cynical and say gay but he's just he's trying to impress the hot woman who just landed in the back seat but 
I don't know. She feels genuinely vulnerable, and it feels like he's actually putting his neck out to to help her. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. He does. It kind of comes off a little bit creepy when he's describing her to his friend as perfect and stuffed, <laughs> which is in her tape outfit. <laughs> you know, since she is vulnerable. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, it's funny, like. I, you could all you could bring up the fact that because obviously it takes her to uh, Ian Holmes' place, um, and to wake her up, like he try he goes to her a kiss, and you know, it's like you could say, oh, that's a bit. But I think it is kind of fair that he does like not not just because he's got a gun to his head, but he does repeat to himself later, I shouldn't have kissed her. Like you know, that was <laughs> like he knows that was the wrong choice for, for like for the for the rest of the movie. Yeah, so. I mean, he had a gun to his head to know that. But. <laughs> true, true, true. But lessons were learned. Uh, yeah. uh, he's he's very respectful from then on. <laughs> to be fair, both him and Ian Holm turn around when she's getting changed. There's kind of a running gag of like she just does it in front of people and they just all turn around and instinct. Yeah, yeah. It's that uh, born sexy yesterday trope or something. Yeah, yeah, it kind of fits into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um but she's also an ancient being that's got like millennia of like kind of life as well. <laughs> so I guess they're trying to get by on that. I think if you know if the born sex, uh, sexy yesterday trope, which is the idea that some like life is created, but because they happen to look like an adult and they learn things quickly, that it's okay that within like a week they're having sex. <laughs> like you know, it is a bit murky when you stop and think about the logistics and the morality of it a little bit. But you know, yeah. It can, why why men like baby women <laughs> it, it kind of falls into just other things that you let go in movies i guess to an extent in the yeah. sense that um if you stop and think about like decisions that certain characters make it doesn't make any sense but you roll it with it because oh it's a movie and this is like you know I, I, we just did the dirty harry movies on collector's cut and there's so many times when he he illegally just shoots people, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Because oh, he's, the, he's the good guy, he's the bad guy. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, no, he just murdered someone and he expects to get away with it because he's a cop. And maybe there's some sad truth in that. But, you know, it's like, we. I don't think you could get away with doing that character exactly the same now. I think enough of the audience would rebel against it and there's a reason why some types of movies have kind of, like, faded away. And right, I think... Yeah. Much like that, I think the born sexy yesterday trope is something that has lessened over time because more people have, you know, come become aware of it and more people right. don't like it. So, yeah. Um, but this is this is one of these things where I think cold hard logic, yeah, does does kind of a problem with the mentality, especially what the director has been on to be accused of. But I will say, I think it falls into this weird thing where it's just been this way since I was a kid. This movie, so it kind of mm-hmm. just everything feels like it's supposed to be this way, and I just kind of roll with it. Sure. I mean, I still enjoy the, um, you know, the the Disney movies that I watched when I was a kid. And they're also just, you know, mm. uh, your prince will come kiss you and then that'll be, that'll be it. You'll be married and, <laughs> you know, that kind of, the, after the prince saves you yeah. from something. Yeah. It's, a little... just, it's, it's a trope that of another time and it does seem to be going away. Yeah. I mean, this movie definitely is kind of... Uh old school and and the way it's like you know love will save us all and you know all the rest of it there's not a lot of super depth to it it's kind of sweet in places but there's not a lot of depth i think um you know there's a lot of the, i mean obviously there's much worse examples of this kind of like i think not i mean not specifically the born sexy yesterday trope uh which other movies have done but i'm just thinking like if you look at any sort of sex comedies from the 80s like those have aged 
so immeasurably bad. worse than the nest. Those have legit, is. like you know, R word in them. You, you can say rape, Tara. Okay, okay. I don't know. sometimes people say that's not good to say. I, I I think it's good to not shy away from it. If if you know if, if that's what if you're talking about it in a serious manner and that's what it is, yeah. you should call it what it is. You know, don't no, yeah, I don't it. mind. I just yeah. don't want you to like. You know your video to get to oh sure i i think it's deep enough out of the video and it's only one so i don't think it's <laughs> i don't think youtube will uh react to it but okay um yeah no i mean it is, it is an interesting topic where I, I nothing in this movie feels too bad to me i think because of the way it handles the subject but it's impossible to a not note that the director's been accused of some very serious sexual assault in recent years and also he has other movies that i do think have more problematic elements in them and I know people like Leon the Professional, but I gotta say, I've never really liked that movie that much. And part of the reason why I don't like it is that I do not like the relationship between Leon and Natalie Portman's character. And the character of Leon in that movie never, like, does anything wrong. He, he's ne- he never entertains, like, she's got a crush on him. He isn't, you know, he's like, no, I'm an adult, stop, blah, blah, blah. But the, just some of the scenes that, like, the character that Natalie Portman plays are in and the way she, like, tries to sex herself up by like dressing certain ways um i don't like and it's i i always found it uncomfortable and then the director being accused of what he's been accused of like just adds just amplifies it by you know tenfold i've not seen leon the professional no you're right a lot of people talk about that movie uh, one thing i do know about it is the during the me too movement um I think it was during that. Maybe it was slightly before, but mm. uh, I saw Natalie Portman give a speech on television about like uh, she was just reading some of the letters she got when she was a child star after that film. Oh, and, just creepy! And it is awesome. so disgusting, yeah. like what some people wrote to her as a child. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I think I vaguely remember this. Actually, you're bringing it up. Um, so you know, I, I think it's. My, my discomfort, if anything, in this movie only comes from the fact of who's who's making it and what else he's done or been attached to. We should just do CGI children from now on. <laughs> now that sounds horrible, but just don't we'll put we'll just don't put them in certain situations. That's all. <laughs> I, I have no problem with children being in like you know Stranger Things or something. <laughs> just an example. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something with kids in it. Like. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I went down a serious rabbit hole there, uh, which, well, yeah, which is fine, because I think it's maybe a concern because of the director that some people may have. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe if you're someone who's never seen this movie before, maybe that, that, that trope of the born sexy yesterday will rub Probably you the wrong that. way. Yeah, it may, it may not work for you now if, you, if you've not already grown up with the movie. And, that's just the way some movies are, and there's really not much you can do about it. Um, yeah. So I don't think it's too egregious in this particular movie, but again, like I can't look at it uh, impartially because I grew up with this. I saw this for the first time when I was eight years old, and I've seen it numerous times throughout my childhood, numerous times throughout my adulthood. It it just is what it is, and um, you know, so. Uh, but I, I don't think there's anything too egregious in the sense that it's, it's only bad in that it's kind of adding to the trope as opposed to anything in this movie being particularly like, oh, this is skeevy, what they're doing with this here, kind of thing. I never really feel that in the movie too much. Yeah, it just it makes it a little bit harder to get into the love story. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, 
but it is worth mentioning when I was watching it I didn't really think about this and maybe it's easier to watch the movie when you're not thinking about it if I was thinking about that as I was <laughs> watching it it, 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 might, it might get in the way of some Yay, scenes bright colours that's cars <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's kind of it's funny actually it's uh, not, not that they do the whole born sexy yesterday thing it's, they don't do it at all because she, she forms into a teenager but uh, I'm going to bring up the head television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer here where uh, the character of Dawn, Buffy's sister, is like this like force of energy that's turned into a person, ultimately. Mm-hmm. But she existed a long time before she was a person, but now she's a person. Um, I think Lilu in this makes me think of that. And this came first, but the, this idea that like she existed in this other form for a long mm-hmm. time. And it's it's kind of like, a, maybe it's, like, it's kind of akin to reincarnation or something like that, but it's like, you know, you sort of become this new life form. Uh, so there is, there's a murkiness to it, because it's like, well, yeah, she's kind of ancient in this way, and she has like these embaked ideas. But you know, she's literally going through an encyclopedia in the movie at one point and just learning what war is and learning what all these other things are. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I do love her character. Uh, she's she's definitely not vegan though. She 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 was firing into that chicken. <laughs> yes. She went up she went up to the the Star Trek style replica, which maybe it's not real chicken, maybe at this point it's just magic. This imitates chicken perfectly, yeah. but it's not actually chicken. Yeah. I don't know. But she puts a bowl in the in the like the microwave and just goes chicken. chicken good. <laughs> and out pops this full not not just a full chicken, but it's like fully garnished with like <laughs> you know, things mm-hmm. on it. So very, very Star Trek uh replicator. A little bit uh Back to the Future three also. They put like the pills in the what looks like a microwave or something, and it comes out of pizza. Oh, you mean two? You mean two? That's one in the yeah, future. Sorry, two. Yeah, sorry. Was it yeah, three. the old West one? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I can't wait to see where you went with that. I was like, <laughs> there's a future car in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. So we have this this meeting between them, and I I kind of appreciate how like. And maybe it's bad as a script writing thing, but I kind of love how complex all this part of the movie is where, like, the military are like, okay, we have to get to these stones that are with this opera singer on this, like, vacation, you know, ship that's near this planet. And we're going... Because up until this point, uh, I almost said McLean there, but (laughs) Carbon Dallas (laughs) is just this, you know, random cab driver who runs into Lilu. It's just a coincidence. The only coincidence... I mean, you could say running into each other's a coincidence, but I, I wouldn't count on that, because I think as, if you have two characters meeting as happenstance to start your story, I don't think that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's just how they meet. That's how they clash and how the story starts. That's okay. Um, but the fact that he then has a connection to the military, because, you know, the president's like, we need someone to go in that ship uh, and get these stones. And, you know, Brian James is like, I think I've so got you- just the man for the job. <laughs> so you're going to... Win a contest. Yes. He wins this contest, which was was teased earlier on. You see, you know, Ruby Rod on the TV or whatever talking mm-hmm. about it. But uh, he wins the contest to uh, uh, go to this, this vacation place, this ship. And uh, so the military show up and Brian James is telling them all this. He's like, oh, look at that. You're a winner. Oh, fancy that. And you're going to take this mission. You're going to go there. And he's not really interested until he realizes it's connected to Lilu, and that's when he becomes involved. But this is the, this is the whole funny bit you were talking about, where uh, he hides the military, the, the three of them, into like his fridge or freezer, and then Lilu and Ian Holm and the the, the helper dude that he has, the the, the, the 
The little bitch. That's that's what. That was my protege. That was my name for him in my head. To be honest, as I was watching the movie. His bridge boy. His bridge boy. Yes, his bridge boy. Uh, he's this nervous kid. He's very young, and he's 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 sort of stuttering, and he's scared of everything. Uh, but. They they're there because they need to get his tickets because like they've heard that he's won on the radio. Everyone hears before Carbon does. His mother hears and phones and yells at him for like you 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 won these tickets. You're taking me, you little you know awful son. You I push you out. It was yeah, great very, very painful. <laughs> I mean, I could take or leave the running gag of the the horrible mother on the phone. <laughs> you know, that's whatever. Um, she just didn't feel real at yeah. all to me. No, that's fair. That's fair. Uh. So, you know, this is all going on. And then the police show up, so it has to hide them as well. So Lilu ends up in the shower. Of course, the woman ends up in the shower where she's going to get her top all wet. Uh, yeah. I, I see what you're doing, movie. I see what you're doing. <laughs> Ian Holm almost suffocates to death. <laughs> almost suffocates, yeah, in the in the bed. Uh, and apparently our, our military guys are okay after being frozen to death. Well, I, I think that really tells you how cartoony this movie is. The fact that they, yeah. he opens the freezer. Well, they did, you know, reincarnate Lilu from a finger or something. True, that that's true. That, yeah, that's, that's, that is actually very true. They open Because he opens the freezer and he's like, I'll take the job. And he pulls the, the thing out of his hand. But they're popsicles. They're, they're, yeah. they're frozen stiff. And so then... I, yeah, I guess he just makes a phone call to the military and be like, pick up your guys. You're going to have to, <laughs> you know, give them life again. We have to defrost them. <laughs> uh but yeah so yeah he's fine later when you see him again so it's whatever uh, it's a little cartoony but that's okay it's a wonder why more people don't just die all the time or do risky stuff since they can just come <laughs> right back apparently uh, oh, apparently maybe you only get access to that though if you're like important enough you know mm. maybe, uh, maybe maybe all the 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 working class can just get brought back you know it costs a fortune so <laughs> you, too much energy yeah um so yeah, because Ian Holm like knocked Bruce Willis out for a minute and stole the tickets. But uh, so we have the young guy, Bridge Boy, is trying to pretend to be Carbon Dallas with uh, Lilu, who's got a fake multi pass, multi pass, and multi pass. It's you know what? It's one of these weird quirky things, and they do mention it in the scene. The the the, the woman who works at the airport uh, says apologies for the trash. Uh, but there's just like this like wall. It's like it's like a mountain of trash like behind where the terminals are. It's really yeah. weird. I love it. Yeah, it is. But it's yeah, a weird yeah. choice. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, there's a lot of people there. There'd be a lot of trash. Do you think everyone... Well, at least who... it's not leaking. Yeah. You know, it's all dry trash. Do you think everyone up in these giant skyscrapers that everyone has to fly up to to, like, get home, do you think they're just dropping trash out the window, like, all day? <laughs> That's just yeah. what <laughs> so the ground just level's a, just covered. You just have a trash chute. <laughs> it goes all the way down. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Bruce Wells shows up and, like... Uh, goes in you know pulls bridge boy back and takes his place uh but then we also have the alien dudes who can shapeshift their heads to look human we sort of saw that earlier on they try and be uh carbon dallas there's a shootout because of it because they they recognize that these are aliens and then uh the like the main henchman dude for gary oldman like comes up and the, the flight's already like taken off at this point but he's like i'm carbon dallas yeah me i'm carbon dallas you guys waited for me right <laughs> and he was way late yeah he was way late and gary Ullman somehow knew what payphone he'd be at because then he blows up the payphone future yes yeah, the future with payphones yes mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny. No one has like a, a cell phone of any kind in this, really. I mean, even the idea of cabs being around in the future after Uber and stuff like that, yellow cabs, it's just not really, probably not going to happen. In... Yeah. I mean, I still use taxis, but I mean, taxis here, you phone like an Uber and it's always been that way. You don't like... Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 We've seen lots of other places, but yeah. I don't know. It just seems like uh, the yellow cab is going extinct. Probably. I mean, the business you gotta admit is hurting because of Uber and Lyft. The one place where it still seems to work, and I say this having just been, you know, traveling via airport, is that outside of the airport and the train station, you tend to get a, like a, a taxi rank where they just come there well, to the pick people up. The Los Angeles one has an Uber pickup spot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. And they'll just come by and pick you up. You don't even have to call one in. There's a Lyft one also outside of the Hollywood Bowl. You just go to the Lyft area. Oh, so yeah, that's what I mean by taxi rank, is that you don't call them. They just come and pick whoever's waiting up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know, like, you know, Japan, when I lived there, it was you just took, you took a taxi everywhere. Mm. And I don't know. I, I People who drive there for taxis are like professional drivers. They're so good at driving. They have different kind of standards for getting a driver's license over there <laughs> especially if you're a cab driver um that makes you feel safer on the road i guess mm-hmm. i mean would you want to drive in the back of bruce willis he's flying cab in this after you watch them flying around i don't know if you would Probably not. No. <laughs> no i agree that's why i'm, I'm thinking that maybe uber is not a thing over there well in japan it may be now i mean i don't know but maybe yeah maybe not maybe if the, if the standards are so high maybe it's just harder to get a license so therefore more there's not enough people who actually would just opt in because i feel like most uber drivers they don't get a license so they can be an uber driver they just like they have a no. license and then they go they oh. will get nicer cars though oh sure yeah yeah that's the same with taxi driver because they, they all own their cars too yeah so anyway yeah anyway <laughs> that's relevant there's a cab driver <laughs> <laughs> oh dear uh, so the back half of the movie, like, you know, kind of takes place. I mean, it ends in Egypt, but the, 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 a lot of the back half takes place on this ship. Um, and this is where Ruby Rod comes into it. And, like, because technically he's a competition winner, like, Bruce Willis is meant to go and be on his radio show and talk to him. And he's just, you know, obviously he's, he just doesn't give a shit. He's not, he doesn't care. He's just giving mm-hmm. one-word answers, that kind of thing. Um, and we have the Blue Alien Opera Singer. Very Mass Effect, I thought, this character. Uh... Yeah, she's. I, I do like her design and stuff. I think it's very strange that she's got stones inside of her. I thought that was a weird choice. Uh, like, that's who you had to go to to get the stones from, was this opera singer? Was she holding them the whole time? Is she like 300 years old and that's why she's so good at opera? Well, maybe it's like the priest. Maybe it passes on generation to generation. Chosen so one to chosen one. She was just selected to... I have Hold to, to I have to assume there was a way to get them out that was safe for her. It was just because she's already shot and dying by the time it's oh well, I'll just cut her open and do it this way. <laughs> like I, I assume there was like a, I don't know if like maybe these these blue alien chicks have got like good poop shoots or something, but uh, they. <laughs> but, I didn't see any organs. It's just a lot of blue blood. A lot of blue blood. Yes, a lot of blue blood. Gooey blood. I thought it was interesting that the blue alien with blue skin also wore a perfectly the exact same color of blue dress as well. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of it's kind of like someone wearing a perfectly you know to match their skin tone like sort of dress here. 
Yeah, she's a cool design, though. Yeah, she is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the, like when she's doing her opera singing, like, that intercuts with Lilo kicking the shit out of the aliens who mm-hmm. have came on board. And they're pissed because Zorg blew them up earlier in the film and they want revenge, they want the stones, they, you know, they, they, they want to get involved. Do they know why they want the stones? Are they working with Zorg? No, they were or working with, the with Zorg. Plant? No, I think now they just want to get them because they know Zorg wants them. I think they just want to okay. be like an F.U. to Zorg. profit. Yeah. So I, I think they're just determined to, like, give him the middle finger, basically. And then, you know, f- f- from there, like, everything breaks out. Uh, Zorg arrives as well, and, like, everyone's on the ship. Uh, he fights Lilo. Well, not fights. He shoots at Lilo and leaves her kind of for dead. She's kind of up in the, the air ducts after. But she has a cool fight scene, though. It's, it, it's, the, it's not the, the most impressive fight scene ever, but it, it works well because it's, like, it's timed with the opera song. So it cuts mm-hmm. back to her and... You know, the blue alien's dancing, then it cuts to Lilo and she's doing, like, spin kicks and stuff. Yeah, it works. Yeah, she's the ultimate fighting, intelligent, well, perfect machine. <laughs> That's kind of what they kept saying. She'd be perfect in every way. Yeah, it's a fun action scene. I mean, I like the uh, the Bruce Willis action scene because it just turns into Die Hard <laughs> for a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. He, he's you know, doing lots of stunts. Doing lots of stunts. He's jumping off. The the, the, the main area on the ship is kind of looks like the... Uh, kind of like the foyer or maybe even the outside of like a fancy garden. Or not garden house. Like a... You know, like a big mansion you would get with a big garden. Like the way mm-hmm. it's got two steps going up either side. Like it kind of looks like that. And there's a lot of leaping off of that and, you know, hiding under the roulette table at one point uh, with Ruby Rod who's screaming and yelling and doesn't know what to do. <laughs> and all that uh yeah he's super annoying <laughs> yeah what's weird is that it's kind of like the president and like the president's people can like either hear maybe see but definitely hear everything that's happening because mm-hmm. they seem to know what's going on in the react so every so often we cut back to them for a reaction and like you know brian james like don't worry my man will take care of this he's very good at what he does uh and there's a part where after he's like already fought most of the aliens there's some left that have got hostages and Lee Pace is like the sort of the guy who works for the ship who's like scared to go in and uh the alien says, Hey, we want to negotiate, send in someone to negotiate and Lee Pace is like, uh, uh yeah, I'm not trained for the and Bruce Bells is like, Do you want me to give it a go? He's like, Yeah, yeah, that'd be good, that'd be good. <laughs> so Bruce Bellis just walks in and shoots them in the head and saves Ian home. Everyone's happy. That's really Lee Pace? Not Lee Pace, sorry, Lee Evans. I said Lee Pace there, that's my fault. Oh, okay, I'm like, he's got a very different face from that guy. Yeah, Lee Evans. That guy was so short. Yeah, Lee Evans, Lee Evans. Lee Evans is another British uh, comedian actor. Uh, I thought he was also just not very good in this. He he was just so over the top. He's he's too much. He's an acquired taste. I I think uh, most people will know him from something about Mary. Uh, You might have seen him in Mouse Hunt, which was another movie kind of around the same time period. Yeah, okay. I know who he is now, but like, it's still... Uh, I still think his character is just too, too goofy, too silly. I, mean, I know the movie is, you know, inherently kind of silly, but it's just I, I don't know. I, I just found it kind of grating. Yeah, that's fair. I think his part's so small that I barely acknowledge him. Uh, like that's this moment where he says, "Yeah, you go and negotiate." Is the only real memorable moment he has. I think. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, by the way, actually, what we should mention is as that all this is going on, so Zorg left with the case that he thinks the stones are in, which he d- doesn't have. In fact, one of my favorite Gary Oldman moments is when he looks in the case and starts laughing. 
and starts crying because the the stones aren't there. <laughs> They're not in there. Yeah, because yeah. this is after the scene where like the the evil planet like talks to him on the phone and makes him bleed from the head. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the blood slowly drips down his head, and it's like, oh, this is nasty. Is but, that blood? Is it? It's like I thought. I don't know. It's goo. It's brown. I, I thought it was related old blood. Yeah, I thought it was dark blood, but like. I just don't know what else it would be. Like, is his hair gel melting? Like, what? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, I don't know. It's unclear. You don't see the point of origin, so no. we don't know what it is. It's like they sweat this brown goo comes out yeah. from their forehead. But uh, as he was leaving, though, during the opera performance, he planted a bomb and set it for 20 minutes. And can I just say, this is the longest 20 minutes in the history of humankind. Uh, because when... when when all this all of this action happens where we have the action in the main opera hall and then out in the foyer and then the hostage situation and then Bruce Willis with the security cameras goes I need to go help Lilu oh she's there and they go find in like the, the diva's um, like quarters like her hotel room mm-hmm. and that's where she's been left for dead it's in there that Ruby Rod who's just tagged along with Bruce Willis for some reason at this point notices the bomb on the door and there's still 10 minutes left. I went, that all happened in 10 minutes? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they just edited around it so that, you know, they didn't have to spend time walking around trying to find anybody. Yeah, but it's, not, yeah, but that's, it's the opposite, though. It feels like it's been too a lot. Too many things have happened. It doesn't feel believable yeah, that this could only be 10 minutes. I meant that in kind of a joking way. But... Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, regardless, they, they evacuate the ship uh, for some because there's a joke here where Ruby Rod says, "Don't worry, it's not a bomb because if it was a bomb, all of the sensors would pick it up and there'd be an alarm and we'd evacuate." And yeah, right after, he's, yeah, right after, he's, I was like, "Why did that take ten minutes? The bomb's been there for ten minutes. Why did it take ten minutes for that to happen?" Uh-huh. I get that it was like a funny little beat you wanted to have, but I don't understand why it took ten minutes. So whatever. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so they all evacuate and Zor, Zor comes back to the ship because he wants to get his stones uh, and he deactivates the bomb with just five seconds remaining. But then one of the aliens who's not quite dead like presses a button and their super bomb pops up out of a box in the same room. And it's kind of weird that it's exactly five seconds left on that bomb. It's like it's picking up where the other one left off even though this was their bomb and not his bomb. It's like it's connected to his bomb. <laughs> Gary Oldman didn't leave them with both bombs? No, because they weren't working for Gary Oldman at this point. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so I guess they just assume that Zorg also left them the bomb. <laughs> no, no, this is them independently from him. So uh, I, I don't know if, like, they they always wanted to go off basically instantly, so that's why it's just a five-second timer. But it just kind of feels like the joke is, is that it's continuing from exactly where Zorg's left off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. But that's just how coincidence, Z- I guess. That's how Zorg dies. He, he goes boom. Boom, boom, boom. Bada-bing. Big bada-boom. Big bada-boom. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that, that's part of the movie's a lot of fun. Like, I, I think this is when it all kind of clicks in place. Like, all of the the hijinks of like, all the different people pretending to be Corbin Dallas, I think is a lot of fun of them trying to get onto the ship. Uh, a lot of the the action when it's all sort of going down at the main time. Like, I think it's a very well-paced movie, I think. I know you said some of the ending dragged on for you, but I, I do think that, that all this stuff is really well-paced and all kind of, like, crescendos really nicely together. Uh, the middle part, yeah, I'd say, is it's more fun. It's a lot of action going on. Um, unfortunately, that's also the the part that has Chris Tucker in it. <laughs> uh, f- fair, fair. <laughs> I can't really argue <laughs> with you. some other characters that I don't really care about or uh, enjoy watching. 
Yeah. And I just think the president is just so bad. <laughs> He's such a bad actor. <laughs> uh, per, per Zeus. Per Zeus. Zeus. He played Zeus in a... The Hulk's Bard, the Hulk Hogan movie from the ladies. <laughs> is he a wrestler? He's not, but he did a couple of wrestling matches, but he, he hasn't, but he wasn't a trained wrestler. So every so often they'll do a celebrity thing where they'll come in and they'll train them to do like two things, but they're mostly just standing around and can't, you know, it takes a lot of training to be a wrestler, you know? <laughs> I see. You can't just jump in and do it. Uh, no, I, I imagine so. <laughs> so, uh, it can't all be Andy Kaufman. No. It's especially stupid because I, I feel like there's a moment, I don't know if it was back in these those early days or when they brought him back in WCW, but there's definitely a moment where he effectively, you know, snaps someone's neck and I'm like, wait, you can't pretend you just snap someone's neck. That He would be dead. <laughs> like, he, he should be dead. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he does the motion race. It's the knockout <laughs> neck snapping. The knock, the, yes. that yeah, that move. Uh, wrestling can be very dumb, okay? Like, I, I will happily admit that. It's the fact it's more dumb than it's not most of the time, if I'm honest. Sure. Um, I really haven't seen very much, so I can't really comment. But from what I've seen, it always looks dumb, yeah. I think it always looks dumb from the outside. I think, I think to, to truly appreciate it, you have to have someone who say, hey, this is just watch this one match. This will turn you around. <laughs> it's actually a really important rivalry. It's been going on for a long time. <laughs> I mean that is effective, but if 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 they're good in the ring, they can tell the entire story there. That's the beauty of it. When it's good, right? right. There's a right. lot of times when it's not. <laughs> right. But when it's good, it's good. Anyway, uh, so they're they're all flying. They've got the stones now at the Blue Alien. They're flying to Egypt. The evil planet is accelerating its rate towards Earth. So they're on a time crunch, and when they get to the pyramid, they have to put the stones in place. They have to open them. How do we do that? No idea. Uh, this bridge boy who accidentally breeds on the the wind because you know it's wind, water, fire, and earth. There's it's the, all the elements. Yeah, the the four basic elements. And uh, uh, say, like, oh shit, they just need whatever they are. So you know, you blow on the wind one. You uh, put some put dirt. Sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you know some sweat will do sweat. for water. Yeah. And then ultimately it's like, uh, how do we do fire? And of course, Bruce Willis only has one match left. He takes his sweet time putting it on top of the stone. Drama! Tara, this is drama. <laughs> it was dumb. I enjoy the tension. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm into it. So it's, it's, it's very movie contrived, but I don't know. I, I can't enjoy it. <laughs> don't breathe. Um, and I said, "Well, how do you how do you open Lilo?" For- <laughs> nice. <laughs> Talking about sounds so dirty. You know what I mean? Uh, so, like, how do you turn her, her on? That's that still sounds dirty. How do you activate the first fifth element? Maybe this is all intentional. That may be. It may be very intentional. But it's like, okay, I don't know. And she's like, "Oh, hey, what is the fifth element? Like, what, what does she represent? Does she represent humanity, yeah. strength, whatever?" And it's like, no, no, the fifth element is love. And she's saying, the world's sad. Humans just kill each other. Like, what is it to live for? And he says, love, love something to live for. And she's like, well, you know, no one needs me. He's like, I need you. Why do you need me? And he finally says, I love you. And that, you know, the kiss, and that triggers the the giant beam of light coming out of her that kills the evil planet. That's how the, the movie wraps up. Um, 
enjoy all this. I, I, yes. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I get that you don't like it. I, I, I think I enjoy the performances of most of the actors involved, right? I think that's the first thing. Uh, well, this is back when Bruce Willis was reliably good. Yeah, when he was actually trying and was putting, and even if he wasn't trying, he was certainly putting in a decent performance that he was likable and charming and all the rest of he it. He knew what worked. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think this moment, I think maybe it's, I think it's just the music more than anything else. But you know, when when he's like kind of like finally confessing that he feels love, as much as you may critique it and say, "Ah, oh, he's only known her for like a week." After that, it's been like three days. We get that she's perfect and all, but yeah. like he has been kind of creep. Yeah. Know. But, like, there is something nice to the sentiment that the fifth essential thing to human life is love. Like, that's the, you know, after land to, 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 to walk upon, after air to breathe, water to drink, and fire for, for heat, uh, you need love. I'm realizing in this there's nothing for food, which is also pretty essential, but that's, that's water kind of represents that too, it's maybe fine. That's why, maybe that's why it's a woman, you know. Breast milk. Is this a milk joke? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing. At the start of the movie, there's like a running little. There's a run. Well, it's not even a running gag, but uh, Ian Holm is surprised it's a woman. They keep. They assume it's going to be a man, mm-hmm. and it's kind of this like, oh no, she's a she. Oh, oh, I must turn. She's getting naked. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I think that there is maybe a cynical look at this where you could say, oh, like. The prized item, if you like, you know, like to remove like Lilo for a second, the prized item turns out to be a woman who is the embodiment of all these, this thing that all these men want to get their hands on to use for their own, you know, protection or gain or whatever. You, you could look at this through a very cynical lens. And if Lilo just felt like a MacGuffin, that could be a problem. I think she does feel like a, an interesting enough character and kind of the, the message that, if there's any message to this film, is that her kind of like, starting to dislike humanity but then being sort of brought back around because there's love too which is a very typical sci-fi trope but you know whatever um means that she is the one with more of an an arc i mean bruce willis care does too but she definitely has an arc and i think the fact that we have the stones as the actual mcguffin stops her from feeling like just the mcguffin even though she's the fifth stone effectively mm-hmm. but if you wanted to look through a cynical lens i could see where you were coming from by saying uh that you know, she is just this plot device for them to all function around um, if you wanted to do that. I think, and I hate to compliment Mila Jovovich, but I think she is likable enough in her performance and the... She had a little bit of that, um... Do you remember when we watched Demolition Man we were saying that Sandra Bullock's really sweet in it because she's so naive and she comes off very earnest in a lot of her <laughs> silly lines? I think she, similar here with Lilo, she has a lot of earnestness in her reactions to things the way she's excited by certain things angry by other things um and she is tough she can fight and all these other things but ultimately what makes her important is the the idea of love and again you could be cynical and say you've got a woman to represent that because naturally all of the other characters are all men because this was written in the 90s that's a fair point you know like you get a hot chick and some bandages and <laughs> i mean because you could Everybody's say gonna fall in love you could say, why Why isn't Corbin Dallas a female character and why isn't the fifth element a male character? And yeah, yeah. This, the cynical sad truth to that is it's because it's a movie, an action movie made in the 90s to appeal to men. That's why. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's the sad truth of that and I can't argue with, with the, that. That's right. Yeah, with the trope that we've already described. Yeah. So, like, you know, absolutely there is things to critique. I think one of the important things of critiquing movies, uh, older movies that maybe have some elements that are either outright problematic or maybe just like have problematic sources which is maybe where i'd put this one more in as a category is that 
you can acknowledge what about it works, why it works, why the, the craft in making it works and is good, if you agree with that, and I know you don't necessarily agree with all of it, but by the same time, you can also acknowledge what of its time is there that is something that, yeah, we would expect better of now and what should be improved upon. Um, I don't think it, it's going to affect my rating at all because I'm pretty good at just taking myself out of that kind of stuff, unless sure. it's like animal stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of like, um, you, you know, like I, I, I think looking through the lens of like how does it tackle certain social issues if you look at an old movie or tv show or whatever and you go okay it falters because it's still is still guilty of x y and z but it is trying to push things forward with this and this and you can sort of see it's trying and its time period is actually trying to move things forward just because it's guilty of things that we wouldn't accept now or doesn't succeed at things that we would expect now, it is trying for its time to move things forward. And arguably, maybe it helps succeed because things are different now, you know? Uh, Not that I'm I'm saying this specific movie (laughs) is trying to move things forward. I don't necessarily think it is. I think it's a lighthearted adventure that I don't think is ultimately trying to say very much. It's just a fun movie. But I think it's a good fun movie. And I do usually do have a good time watching it. And the cast is a big part of that. The visual style is a big part of that. I like the music too. Uh, so I, I still enjoy this quite a bit. I like it more than you do, clearly. And that's okay. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I'm not going to rate it poorly because I do. It's not like I don't understand why you like it. Like, I understand why. I just found that I was surprised at how much I didn't enjoy it this time. But I know that there's a lot of good stuff in there. Like, uh, I love the visuals. I love the world building. Um, I love uh, Mila Jovovich in this. And I, there's a lot of good stuff in it. And But I think just, I don't know. It's just too... The nostalgia wasn't enough for it to be saved this time. <laughs> yeah. and to I just be- saw too much where I was just like, I don't think I like this anymore. And to be clear, I don't think that nostalgia is the only reason why I still like this. I do think there's enough in here that I like regardless. I just, I speculate that maybe as, you know, like any problems that I could have with it are softened by the fact that I've watched this a lot since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to sort of have the unbiased view of it in that sense. Um, but I, I do think there's a lot of things in here that do work. Um, it is very a stale over substance type movie, but its style involves like, the way the characters even interact with each other, the way they talk, there's a quirkiness. You know, the guy that tries to mug Bruce Willis has got like a photo of his hallway on top of his hat that he's got up to the peephole. So that when he opens the door, it's like, oh no, it looked, there's no one, no one here, but ha ha, I had a hat. <laughs> like, I tricked you. Like, th- that to me is a really quirky, funny little detail that I kind of like. And it's just little things like that. And it's not substance, but um, sometimes if you have enough style in, a di- in enough different ways, it can kind of become a fun experience, even if it's not you know, it's not. This is not the pinnacle of what I'm looking for in science fiction, right? You know, this is this is not. You know, sit us down and talk about Terminator. We're going to sit here and talk about what the film's saying about themes. We're going to talk about uh, all these things on top of filmmaking, on top of style, on top of all that stuff. Uh, but as a fun, lighthearted, very visually appealing story, uh, I got a lot of it. So great. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to end in a positive note before we rate it, that's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alright, well, would you like to rate The Fifth Element out of ten? Yeah, I'm having a hard time coming up with a number. Um, but I, I will still be positive on it, 
because I, I did like this movie for most of the years that it's been out. Uh, it's just recently, I guess it's just hasn't aged as well with me as mm. I thought it would. Um, so I'm still going to give it a six because I do appreciate everything that is good in it. It's still really good and very unique and cool. Um, <clears throat> but for the most part, I'm just not as excited as I used to be about it. And I probably won't watch it again for a long time. That's fair. Uh, I think typically I've given this an eight and I think I want to stick with that this time. I still just have a lot of fun watching it. I can acknowledge that, yeah, it's not that deep. It's not got any sort of like great themes going into it. And, you know, I can acknowledge some of the tropes that are a bit dated or whatever that are here. But uh, fundamentally, I enjoy the vast majority of these actors playing these roles in the quirky ways they do. And I just find it a very pleasant experience to sit down and watch. So, okay, there you go. That is uh, the fifth element. It's rare we have such a gap in ratings. I mean, maybe. We don't normally have a... That's very rare that we're... When it comes to sci-fi, no. Sure. Oh, yeah. If we we start reviewing musicals, yes, I'm going to be giving everything like a three out of (laughs) ten. You know? (laughs) So... But yeah, on this show, I mean, though, I don't mean in general, I mean on this show specifically, it's rare we have big gaps. Mm. I'm sure there's a couple of examples, but it's not many. Most of the time, it's like, oh, like one of us will be slightly higher or lower than the other, but there'll be a general sentiment that's the same throughout. You know, doing this 90s thing has been really fun because uh, there was, was a time when I went to the movies all the especially mm. if there was a sci fi film or I watched it on HBO as soon as I could. So. It's it's been interesting revisiting all the movies that I loved growing up in the '90s, and going, huh, this is different now. Like <laughs> Fifth Element, Dark City was an early one we did, where I was just yeah. like, I don't think this is good. <laughs> I know, like it's a good idea, but it's not like the execution's not very good. Yeah, I I I, I always feel a little bit weird about reviews like that because Dark City is one that has a strong fan base and following. And I knew I didn't like it before I watched it for the show because I didn't. Li- I never really liked it that much. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a relief to me that you kind of felt very similar things. And you- we ended up agreeing on a lot of the reasons why the movie doesn't work for us. And part of me was like, oh, God, there's going to be so many Dark City fans who see a video called Dark City Review and they're going to click it's like on over it. an hour long. And, and <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an hour plus of us saying why it's shit <laughs> and why well, it's I overrated. Don't if, I don't know if I would go with shit, but yeah, it was definitely over overrated in my in my own mind. Like yeah. even when it came out, it wasn't like it was, I remember being really praised by um, Ebert from Siskel and Ebert. Mm. I think it was his number one movie of that year still. Um, so, I, think, I think it was this year. It was in 87? What? Oh, uh, it it may be. Been. yeah. yeah. I'll double check. for sci-fi. <laughs> or is it? We do a lot of <laughs> 97 sci-fi movies. Oh, no, movies. 1998, sorry. It was the next year. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, it's just, uh, that one, at 12 Monkeys was another one that we revisited, and I was just mm. like, this isn't as good as I remember it being. I remember it being great. <laughs> but, oh, well, there's still lots of 90 sci-fi movies that are great oh yeah our last review oh yeah (laughs) well i mean at the end of the year we're doing a top 25 90 sci-fi so you'll see exactly what we think of the good 90 sci-fi movies yeah it'll be interesting to see where we place this one now (laughs) i've got a feeling one of us might and the other one won't (laughs) is is my my (laughs) guess at this juncture um are we doing a separate list 
I actually don't know. I was thinking we might do a combined list because then we can do the Patreon bonus thing of like, here's how we like came up with the list. Like we got, <laughs> and then Tim will be mad because that was his idea first for streams and like that. That's dangerous because then everyone's gonna see the dark side of me. <laughs> yeah, she hears some of the shitty things she says, but she, but she's not on camera, guys. Yeah, typical Canadian <laughs> asshole or a hole, as we say. <laughs> with an E-H yes a- a- emphasis on the A as well like <laughs> that's an A-hole A-hole <laughs> you're an A-hole eh anyway mm-hmm. uh, so yeah there you go that's the fifth element <laughs> um, coming up next time on the show I don't actually uh, remember <laughs> so I'm just I'm getting our document up <laughs> so I can tell you uh, but yes Coming up next time on the show, we will be looking at another 90s movie. 90 season continues. We're going to be looking at Hardware. And this is from like 1990 or 1991. This is like an early 90s movie. Uh, it's a low-budget film. Um, a, a sadly, another one where the director's been accused of some things, which unfortunately will just... God, 90s, man. I know, I know. It's, it's rough. Well, that's the thing. Like, everyone was glad he came back to make movies again with uh, Color Out of Space because uh, it's Richard Stanley who directed that and then there were some accusations uh, not too long after, and it's like, oh. But mm. I remember liking Hardware uh, when I saw it. Uh, I've only seen it once, and it was a while ago, and I, I, that's why I put it on the list, because I thought, oh, I kind of want to see this again and uh, see what Tara thinks of it. So, uh, What's it about? Uh, it's about a dude who's building, like, a, a robot, I think, if I remember right. Hmm. Or an AI. I wonder if I've seen it. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing next week. Uh, and we have, so we, I think, uh, assuming everything stays on schedule, I think we have three 90s movies left before we're done with the actual 90s movies for reviewing. Obviously, that's not going to be all the 90s. There's probably going to be a second 90s season in the future. There's obviously way more to do. But uh, we got Hardware next, and then we have another movie, which we'll reveal next week, and then the other vote winner that uh, just uh, got voted for on Patreon. And then we've got a few things in December that are separate. Uh, you know, we have to do Avatar before Avatar 2, and a uh, couple other things and then at the end of the year we'll sort of we'll come back to the 90s for the top 25 90 sci-fi movies uh whoa so that is the that is the plan uh for stan the rest of the year stan that's the plan stan oh okay <laughs> very good so yes uh if you want to be voting on uh what we watch sometimes uh you can do that over at patreon.com slash tv uh where you can get some bonuses tara what are the two main bonus things to get every month if they go uh, sub at the five dollar tier that's right peter for five dollars a month <laughs> you can get access to our movie meltdown where we talk about uh other stuff we've been watching throughout the month um or we also do quizzes, uh, sci-fi quizzes to each other, and it's just a little thing to get us to know us a little bit better, see so, what so else we're into. Movie catch-up show, I would call it. Uh, yeah. But yep. that, that also includes what? A bonus episode yeah. that we watch once a month. Uh, we just did a 90s one that's really fun. 
Can I say what it is? Yeah, yeah. it'll be up by the time it's goes up. Lawnmower Man. <laughs> that was yeah. your October one. Which has some problematic elements of its own that, you know, had mm-hmm. to be discussed. So, <laughs> is this a running theme in 90s sci-fi? Like, once you get past the, the really big, well-remembered ones, there's just a lot of problematic bits and pieces. The 90s were just so extreme, you know. Because even Mimic had, like, the, uh, the artistic kid is special trope kind of yeah, thing. And yeah. then, you know. The savant artistic kid. <laughs> Demolition Man wasn't that problematic, though. Oh, no. Huh? Ahead of its time, really. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, Cube wasn't... Pro- Cube, Cube was a delightful film. Uh, problematic yeah, that was fun. Anyway, there you go. Except for some of the acting, but... <laughs> well, yeah, but that's not problematic. And, like, when we say problematic, we mean... Just the crazy eyes. <laughs> we, we, you know, like, is uh, doing a faux pas with social issues or something. Uh, but, yes. Um... There you go. That is the that is the show. Uh, so you can, of course, support uh, us by going to patreon.com slash TV and get bonuses for this, but also other shows that we do. Uh, check out our new show, The Collector's Cut, uh, that I'm doing with David, where we work through franchises that are not sci-fi or horror, of course, uh, but we also do, like, sort of movie themes, or, you know, we'll do, like, maybe four or five from an actor or director, that kind of thing. Uh, we just started, we're starting with the Dirty Harry franchise, so if that's of interest, we had some really good conversations. Uh, we've actually recorded all those episodes already, so I can tell you that all the Dirty Harry episodes are pretty good. <laughs> I can actually tell you that now. So you get things to look forward to. Excellent. So, go, go check out all that. Uh, and of course, you can support everything by liking, subscribing, commenting down below. Uh, if you listen to audio podcast version, rate the uh, podcast five stars with a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. All of it does help. And you can get us on Twitter, at Screams Midnight. Um... Uh, there's also a co-host that I don't remember exactly what it is or how to tell you how to go there. I'm just setting up some alternatives in case Twitter goes down the toilet. Just, you know, just in case. <laughs> you gonna shout out the producers? Oh, good idea, uh, Tara. Thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. And of course, uh, that's one of the higher tiers over at Patreon is the producer tier. But we thank all of our patrons for keeping the lights on and keeping my cats fed. So thank you very much, uh, and uh, yeah, that's the show. That's that's uh, the ace for this week. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We'll see you next time. Keep watching sci-fi and computer at salsa.